0: Welcome to Campfire Football, I'm Sebastian North, this is episode 99, a chat with Mark Dillon from the Talent Project, part 2. So back in uh, 40 episodes ago, episode 59, if you want to go back and check it out, I spoke with Mark Dillon who started the Talent Project, which is an academy in Germany for American boys to go over and get some really high-level experience playing with players at a crucial development age. And what he's done is simply fantastic. And it's really cool to have spoken to him way back about nine months ago. Now we're reconvening for our second chat and to hear where the talent project has gone since. It's really fascinating. It's really inspiring. For any of y'all young players wanting to do something like this, I highly recommend it. Have a listen. So, yeah, so... Talent project is now three and a half years old, correct? Uh, that's
1: correct. Yeah, we're now in recruitment for our fourth um, fourth generation.
0: And at this point, how many players are currently in the program?
1: Well, we have uh, 41 currently in full-time residency. And we're on quite on target for 55, starting in the next season in August. Wow. So, uh, we've got a lot. We've got a lot of uh, the demand is really high now. I think we have about 120 candidates so far. And we've got, you know, we're, we're really only about probably 60% of the way through our recruitment for next year or so. It's looking really good. And, you know, every time you get a player that, um, that is trialing with a big club or moves into a big club, professional club, then everyone wants to know how they got there. And so the word is getting out. We're becoming a brand, and it's,
0: uh, it's making our job easier for recruitment. So in terms of numbers then, because this is pretty quick growth, would you say from where you started in year one to mm-hmm. where you are, going into year four in terms of recruiting, how, how much of an incremental growth has there been? Is, was it an explosion from last year to now? Or was it kind of, did it kind of just move along at a pretty steady pace? I would
1: say that it's it's an explosion from year three to year four. You know, year one was exceeded our expectations in terms of our production on the field and the number of players that were um, being invited in for professional trials with big clubs and then and subsequently signed professional contracts year two. But it was also two-thirds of the way it was interrupted by COVID. And then year, year two was uh, somewhat abbreviated because nobody knew what was going to go on in Europe. And it was the, the COVID situation was pretty bad. So we had a, a year two started. You know, kind of a an abbreviated fashion. then halfway through that, then we got a pretty good solid cohort of players that that have actually stayed on, some most of which have stayed on. And again, we we see players um, going into pro clubs in that time and now, and the words getting out, and you know, we're getting a lot better about getting the word out in terms of our social media outreach and our outreach to clubs. And so yeah, now it's it's um, you know, we're getting to where, um we we will definitely be turning away a lot of a lot of players unfortunately we don't like that but uh, we've we see a lot of growth opportunities coming our way
0: that's amazing and at this point how many players have been able to not necessarily sign contracts but at least get trials and really really close opportunities with bundesliga one and bundesliga two clubs
1: well we have currently from our from our current cohort of forty, was it forty-one? I think I think said it's forty-one. For, we have eighteen players already been scouted and identified and and, and brought into trials. We have eight wow. players who are on pro contracts right now, and uh, you know even uh, you know the top Croatian club has been reaching out to us to to try to get some of the boys down, and they invited some of us in for trials back in December. And uh, they're looking to try to get us back. So um, it, the the word is definitely getting out. The, the talent project is disrupting things in a in a very positive way in terms of uh, for American kids.
0: Yeah. So you, right before we hit record, you said, "Yeah, we're uh, we're disrupting things. We've become disruptors in the area." You say in a positive manner. Um, in what ways would you? Because that that's an interesting word to use. Disruptors is it. It's both good it' bad, right? I don't know. What's uh, What kind of things would you say, waves that you've been making?
1: Well, for starters, uh, you know, I think there's, there's, a, there's a, a talent revolution going on in the United States. Now, you're starting to see some really, really good players emerge. And that is not gone unnoticed by a lot of European clubs who, you know, they're trying to establish beachheads beach in the United States. But rather than having them come to us, we're going to them and we're there and we're we have very easy access to players and so when they hear about the talent project playing uh, someplace they're we got scouts coming out they're watching us and uh it's really really exciting so we get calls all the time from clubs to say Lou i really you know i'm looking for a couple really good 07s or uh, 08s or, or actually no it'd be 05, '06s for for next year's team and Um, we saw a couple of your guys, can you send them over to us next week? And this is happening on a continual basis. So, you know, it's a matter of, of developing credibility with, uh, the clubs that organizations that, that understand what we're doing and we're not screwing around, you know, we are a very serious organization and, and, and that's very evident when they see us, we, um, you know, we were, we've got good players We play really well. We play to the systems there. So we have guys that that understand what it means if you go into a professional club. How how your demeanor, your, your body language—it's it's all really really critical. But if they're told to go into a specific position, they know how to act. They know what to do. They know what the tactical demands are. They know what the system the systemic demands are, and, um, and and that's what we're trying to accomplish. And that's the credibility factor that we have to have if we're going to survive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, the style of play, the way kids play, and also being able to not just perform different roles, but be coached in different ways uh, and, and still understand the game. I think that that clearly is going to make an impression on any any high-level scouts and any high-level coaches. So
1: it has to because it's it's way beyond talent because there's so much talent. There's just talent falling out of trees. And we're starting to see that here as well. But certainly, over in the European side, there's so many good players. But uh, you know, your behaviors on the field, your understanding, your be- ability to um, discern patterns and pick up visual cues—this is this is all really critical because you know they play uh, very counter-pressing, pressing, and counter-pressing are two elements of of, um, of the game that you have to know and you have to understand because if one player doesn't understand it, you're screwed the team is screwed because he's, he's too late or he's too early. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, three passes later, they're in your box. Right. That's all down to players having they have to be really clear about what their assignments are. So.
0: Yeah. And well, so one thing you also mentioned uh, here in the United States, there's the talent project is having some kind of impact, obviously just beyond, Oh, people are hearing about you, but what what else would you say you've noticed? Would you have had, have you had people, more people come up to you and really uh, I guess really seek information on what, what exactly your idea is versus what is commonly known here or
1: Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, you know there's a lot of coaching directors that, that that won't talk to us that wouldn't talk to us in the beginning and please, you know, it, it's almost like we're poisoning. to stay away from my players, blah blah blah. And then the word starts to filter back, and players come anyway, and they're talking to their coaches back home, and they're talking to their players back home, and they realize that we're not screwing around. This is a serious program, not a boarding school that's uh, designed for anybody that can that wants to come across and have a nice European experience. We're serious, and so um, initially there's a lot of pushback. At a lot of clubs were would kind of. You try to get them, say, do you have any players at such and such aid group? Oh, no, 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 we don't have anybody, blah, 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 blah. none of that. That support was really difficult. Uh, and we still have some of that because clubs want to hold on to their best players. And, and you know, we, we say it very clearly that, you know, we're trying to the purpose of the talent project is to get guys in when they ordinarily can't. And we're providing access to a system that is otherwise closed to them. And in doing so, we're giving them an education, an accelerated learning education at a time of their development that's irretrievable. And so when they miss that window, you know, it's not impossible, but, you know, if you miss that 14 to 17, 18 window, you can't get it back. And you can't say, okay, well, I'll just, I'll kick the can down the road two or three years. And maybe when I'm, you know, I'm a senior, I graduate from high school, I'll come over, man, it's too late in 95% of the cases. And there's always those exceptions that are so talented. But even when you say they're so talented, do you really think that they can really achieve the level that they could have if they had taken that early start? So they could be really, really good, but they might be really, really better even still. So um, yeah, that it's, makes it's sense. a critical time. And so, you know, we have a very important role to play for kids that are really up that have the talent, have the potential. And, um, you know, we're opening doors and people are recognizing that, that this is a real serious program that's getting results for the kids.
0: Well, I mean, that's a huge growth in credibility for a talent project that three years ago, people were telling you, no, we have no players that, are, that you would be interested in to now, I'm sure some clubs are essentially in inviting you to come and have a look at their age groups more frequently than than before. Of course, right?
1: Well, we are, and we're trying to work cooperatively so that everybody wins. Um, and you know, one of the one of the things that we're doing with the clubs that cooperate with us is that we say we'll share the spoils if if we together, you help us find the right players. We'll get them in. We'll educate them. We'll expose them. Give them opportunities. We'll guide them. We'll help manage. And if they're successful and together we can create this level of success and he transfer subsequently somewhere down the road, then there, there will be financial compensation coming back to the people that help. And, and American clubs have never gotten any compensation. And so we are in a position where we can say, we will share the spoils with you guys. And that's now it creates a, an entirely new revenue stream, potential revenue stream for, for these clubs. So it really makes sense. And they wanna go anyway. You know, if you ask, they, they don't want to play in MLS. I mean, I'm not putting down MLS. I think MLS is really getting good, but ask, go out and ask these top Like, where do you want to be? Where would you like it? I want to get into Europe. How do I get into Europe? I can't get into Europe. Find me a platform, find me a, a doorway, find me a bridge where I can get across there. And, and we're providing that. And um, it's, that's, we're providing something that nobody else is at the moment. And so we're, we're taking advantage of that by moving quickly. By um, moving with um, a high level of professionalism and we're moving with the right people. And that's the most important factor there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. Once once you can grease the wheels with a little bit of money in, in terms of saying, look, if, if there is a positive outcome here, you also get some of it. Yeah. That can easily perk up the ears of any, any club directors or head coaches at high levels. And I guess, you know, you've mentioned a few times you guys aren't messing around. There's a really high caliber environment for anyone who's listening. Just take us through the day of a talent project player. Just like one, one day of, or, you know, uh, the average week, I guess, because it involves trainings and matches. Right. So in its most basic way, you know, you don't have to start with, they brush their teeth in the morning. We hope they do that.
1: We hope they do too, because otherwise we we have difficult time. time talking. <laughs> Uh, A typical day would be, you know, they get up, they have their breakfast, they they toddle down to the dining hall, they get a light breakfast. Then they go to what we call indie training, which is individual training. And that's based on sometimes it's positional stuff, sometimes it's just stuff that they need to work on, you know, whether it's finishing crosses or or the, the midfield connecting to the front players or things like that. That's often done in the team session, but we, we can do our fitness work, our body control, our strengthening work, our speed work. Uh, and then they go shower, and they go have a, a light meal, then they go to school, they get their German lessons, um, and then after their initial school classes, they we break for lunch, and then we have a little bit of a recovery period, and they can also work on their homework and things like that, and then uh, in the late afternoon, we have another team session, and that's where we focus more on a little bit less on the technical side and more on the team building side, tech, uh, the tactics. How do we defend? How do we attack? And uh, then they have their dinner, and then they can get down to their academics in the evening time. And and we track that very carefully, also, to make sure that they're we know where they are academically, and if they're falling behind, they got to sit it out for a little bit. But they're all really smart guys, and we have very few problems academically. They're all achievers in the classroom as well, and that's one of the things we recruit
0: on. Yeah, I mean, you have to obviously vet that. You when you when you and I talked last time, you said there's a lot of the process in terms of choosing does come from more than anything their maturity off the field, right? You know, when you see a good player, but it's it's you also need someone who's going to be able to come to Germany and not just completely fall apart, right? Um, when do they play? When do they play games?
1: Well, uh, that, that, again, that depends on the schedule, but uh,
0: generally there's a game on the
1: weekend and there's a game on during midweek. And so it might be Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday night, and then depends on the age group and, and the level that we're playing. We can balance the squads out according to the, the, the competition level. Obviously teams that you know the, the Red Bulls and the, uh, the Red Bulls and the Bayern Munichs and the Augsburgs of the world generally want to play us on the weekend. And then we also have, you know, we got the Bayern League and stuff like that, and the Austrian League, and they're uh, they're very often midweek games, and they're very high levels. So uh, they get really good game. And then we we you know, we film the games, and we we analyze and, and we look through. We have tactical discussions with the guys. So the games are the games of the laboratories for us. The training is the build up, and the games are the laboratories. And this is where we we go out and we we experiment and we we um uh this is where it has to happen we have to take the training from a from a from the training field onto the match field and when things don't work then we break it down and figure out why so it's a a, generally it's a pretty full week and uh they have to manage their time very well uh, in order to keep up with everything and and i think as we spoke on our last uh um last meeting that so much of what we're doing is cognitive. And uh, in order to be able to learn, that's why we all, That's this, this is why character, personality, and intelligence are so important because if you have a guy with weak character or, or a weak personality, he won't survive. And uh, and they could be disruptive, and they could be negative, and and or they're they're just not learning what they're supposed to be learning, and they slow everybody down. And what we've learned is that the the pace of training is generally dictated by the slowest thinker. And so we have to make sure that we have good learners out there that are that are able to grab it, let's get it, and the other ones are helping them on, and they're all kind of moving together. So it's it's part of creating an environment of excellence, and and. Uh, and the guys buy into that. That's what they're here for. That's what they want. And that's very often what they feel
0: is missing at home for them. Yeah, that's well, I imagine so. if If I think about players who, you know, maybe sixteen years old, play for their ECNL team, mm-hmm. um, And yeah, I, I imagine on a certain level, Well, there's really only so much you can do really as a, as a coach in those scenarios, it's not, you don't really have them in-house in an academy. And so the depth of what you can ask of them and what kind of maturity levels you want to see them test themselves with. I mean, I think it's fantastic that they're all taking German. I mean, it, it, it obviously makes sense. They're living in Germany for the year. They should, they should learn how to speak German, but what an extra positive cognitive layer to throw on there is learn a language while you're also in a place where you're learning about yourself, other people, um, and trying to expand your knowledge of the game at the highest level you can. That's a really good mix of things put together for any high-level player who fancies themselves on a change as well, because <clears throat> you know, you're know you going to be playing with entirely new people, all from very different cultures of, uh, of the game in the U.S., I would imagine.
1: Well, you, you, you are. And, and, and developing cultural agility is, is really, really critical because you have to you really got to be alert and you have to see how people act and have to understand how they think. And culturally, uh, there's so many influences that can go on in the dressing room. And if you if you can't kind of fall into the flow of that, you could be adversarial, not even adversarial. That's probably not the right word, but you could be in a situation where you're just not resonating with your teammates. And, you know, the, when you when you have this much talent the coaches that are evaluating these guys for potential opportunities, are they, they're, they're, they're asking really serious questions about, is this guy going to be a positive influence or a negative influence? Because they have all these choices. I got five choices out there for one position. Which one do I want? I want the guy that's going to be positive. He's going to get along with the guys. He's going to be able to contribute to the team spirit. And this gets down to character. This gets down to personality. This gets down to, um, uh, cultural agility and it gets down and the language is also really important because the coaches, they don't want to explain things twice. And they don't want to think that your, their tactical instruction or their team talk is not, is being missed because he doesn't understand. And so, you know, they can't provide an interpreter for every player that, that comes in. So it's, 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 There are practical reasons why they want to, um, um, uh, they, you, they have to learn the language and a perfect example of this is, is Luca Fava now who's really doing well. He's in our first generation and now he's at uh, BFL Bochum and he's doing outstanding. And, uh, and they're doing, you know, they're, quite, they're, doing, they're holding their own. It's a relatively small Bundesliga club in the first league. And the, the thing that, that turned the tide for, for Luca was how diligent he was in learning the language and he was a left-sided player but he went in and he really knuckled down and he got into it he was and he didn't speak a word when he arrived but he said i've got to get the language down and that was the difference maker for him and and conversely we had another player who who was probably according to the coach 99 of the solution they were looking for but he made no effort to speak their language and he said they're going to pass on him wow so that's extremely valuable data when you're working with young players and say, how, how important is this to you?
0: Well, and Bo- Bochum just beat Bayern Munich 4-2, didn't they? They did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was he playing in this game?
1: Uh, no, he was. He's still in the under-19s. He's, okay. uh, he's uh, 17 years old. I think uh, he'll become 18 in, in August this year. But uh, But he's playing up. And he's, and then at the under 19 Bundesliga is all professional. Every single one of those guys are on contracts.
0: Right. So, right. And to get that contract, you got to be really good. So, Well, yeah. And, you know, I just, I, I think about what kind of an experience the players are all getting, uh, you know, being brought out of their comfort zone of wherever their home environment is plop down in Germany and, not only being told, look, you know, this is going to be a lot of soccer. We've got you guys handled. There's this, but but I, I was listening to the conversation you and I had last time. And you said, it's not a cocoon we're trying to build for them. Cause that just sounds a little too
1: sure. safe.
0: It, it just sounds too safe and, t- and too much. Like you're taking too much control of them not having some difficulty in experiencing and learning. And so the idea, I think, to just have them in some sessions where there is no interpreter. They just have to be able to pick up and understand. These are the kind of cognitive pushes that everyone needs, right? It's you're put into stressful situation. You have to listen to what this German guy is saying, saying it's simply enough for you to understand. If you don't understand it, this is going to hold you back and you have every opportunity to learn. So now what are you going to do? And it's, and also just being like i said away from home having to learn all these things and go through all these things but also with other people because that's the way you know teams teams are especially at the younger ages that everyone's sort of learning together but you guys must be actually seeing an enormous growth in their own personal confidence over the course of a year and what they will bring back to the states if they do return Right. Or when,
1: but yeah, ultimately most of them are going to return. And I mean, they could establish, we've had a, a few guys we've seen establish long-term careers in Europe, but you know, the majority of them are going to come back, they're going to come back better and they're going to bring back to their own environment, a level of professionalism that, that, that they haven't had in their team squad. And, and this is going to, this has a, um, a, a very positive growth impact on the game all across the country. It's really important, but you hit on a, on a really important point there, uh, Sebastian, that, um, and I was just talking to some guys who are involved on the, with Me- young players from Mexico, and, and they're talking about um, how there's a lot of really good players. Mexico does a great job of developing young players, and particularly for some of the big clubs like Chivas and Cruz Azul and, and uh, Tuzos and so on. Um, but they have a lot of players that go off to Europe, and then they crash and burn. And and they ask why they, we already know they're really good players. They don't all of a sudden become bad players when they cross the Atlantic. Yet, yeah, and, and we talked about this on the last one, they get in and the same as the American guys, they're in a, in a, in a environment that is totally totally new. They don't speak the language. The weather is different. The game is different. The speed of play is different. The food is different. And then you pile that on top of loneliness. They're probably staying in a guest house or a hotel or something like that. And they have a difficulty uh, communicating. They're missing their family, their friends, and their dog, whatever. And all these are, are, these all conspire together to derail potential and talent. And so when you think about what the talent project does, it's not a soft land, it's not a cocoon, but it's a safer environment where they can kind of ramp up being around other American players as as they are learning about the culture, as they are picking up their understanding of the systems of play, as they are learning the language, as they're getting used to the food, as they're getting used to different weather conditions and so on and so forth, to where now we feel after a few months, now they're ready to leave the nest. And now we can send them over to a Bundesliga club and now we can send them to a top level or a, any professional club because it's hard to be a pro at any level but they're prepared for it then they have the mental strength and instead of just taking them out into the deep end and and throwing them off and say oh, we better learn to swim quick which is what happens when they come over cold turkey uh, and and the, it creates a much higher failure rate but our guys are succeeding beyond our expectations because they have that ability to, to gradually adjust, assimilate, and then, and then move up to the levels mentally, uh, emotionally, uh, intellectually, and physically. And all these things are critical if they're going to be successful in the long term.
0: And players who have come back to the U S from spending their year in Germany, what kind of reviews have they heard have you heard from them about just what what it was like to come back and be playing did they uh, did they see a massive improvement in themselves did they just i don't know what kinds of things have players told you about returning home
1: well I, I think that you just have to look at what they're doing to to get the answer to that question and you know sometimes it's pretty obvious as you see MLs clubs all over the guys and we have uh, a couple going into major D1 programs, and, and and that's so very hard to get scholarships right now. By the way, uh, because of the change, the COVID changes, and the eligibility rules, and things like that. But they're they're going on. Some are going into professional contracts before their 18th birthday with American clubs, and so and or getting contract offers. And um, this is, I mean, this is what it's about. You know, we're moving them up. we feel like we can advance them by three years in their development. By having a year, maybe even four, maybe long, maybe even more than that, because maybe, maybe the real lessons they're learning will manifest for three or four years. Then it starts to come out. But that that giving that grounding in professional habits are so so critical. And this is why you know a lot of times you see some of the best players in the United States in the college level are guys that came out of professional academies from Europe. The German academies or uh, English. Uh, right. Professional academies—they're the, some of the best—and they're the ones that were told we have no more room for you. You're not going to go any higher here, and so they say, well, "What am I going to do now? My career is—I oh, can go to the United States and play." They're already top-level players, and they're the guys that were kind of cast out, but they're professional. They—they've got professional habits. They're, they have uh, uh, professional emotional strength mental strength and they come in immediately immediately they make an impact in their programs this is what we're trying to provide our guys with that immediacy now you're now you've left or either you move on to a pro contract but you're making an impact wherever you are
0: well that's that's great to hear that they're able to start securing these contracts at 1819 because it's actually really interesting I, I Decided to watch uh, the uh, at least a portion of the MLS draft because it was uh, live on YouTube. and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I've I've never never paid attention to this at all before. So I decided to watch it and went through the first round and went through the second round. And then I I stopped paying attention as closely. Right. I I had it on, but I was making dinner, doing something. And. As a Colorado guy, I was like, okay, I'm going to check when's the Rapids next pick, and I want to see who they choose. And we're getting to the end of the second round, and they pass. I was like, what? Getting to the third round of the, what I think, maybe 30 picks in that round, there were 13 clubs that passed on just taking anybody. Um, I was, I was shocked, I, and I – I because I've never heard of uh, a pass on the draft before. You have a draft pick, you either take somebody or you maybe trade that draft pick for something else or whatever. They just passed entirely. Um, and and the uh, you know, also just imagining the kids who entered the draft who are at home with their whole families, right? They're videotaping themselves just in case they get chosen, and then. 14, 13 14 clubs say we don't need anybody else that to me was it was a little bit of an alarm bell situation because what does it say about what MLS clubs feel about the level of the top players in college and that if they get to 22 or whatever or you know the t- whatever age they are that they try to enter the draft if they are not deemed, good enough to at least be brought on the ride to see if it'll work out even that's that seemed alarming to me what what do you think about what the reasons could be for something like that i mean
1: well i think you're raising a really good point sebastian is that they're 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 saying that these guys are coming out of the colleges and 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 very often I certainly i think the colleges have the potential to be an excellent development platform but it's not you know you got your your 15 to 18 games in the fall and then you're screwing around for the next 7 months and maybe you can get into a summer. they're losing time and so very often you see players entering you know they're coming out of the college game after three or four years bigger and stronger but no better and they've lost that ability to grasp what is required to be successful at professional now no not all of them there are exceptions but by and large it's. I would think that, and I, you know, maybe there are other answers that that will come to mind at some point. But by and large, I would think they're far more interested in their homegrown guys. Their guys that are coming through the academies and say, "Well, why do we take, why do we take this guy out of Cal or or Duke or something like that? We've got a 18-year-old here in the academy that's ready to go, that we've had for a few years and we've been developing." So, you know, I that would be my my guess. But why draft a kid if you don't think you're going to be interested in him?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, obviously it's, it, it doesn't work for them as a business or as a club to just say, uh, just take that one. Right. And just cover their eyes and point at somebody. I, I, I don't think that that's that we, you can really ask them to just take anybody just because, but it does, it would shock me that aside, you know, outside of the players that were drafted, that there aren't, a fair few others worth just taking one chance on, right? It's it's, you have one final pick. Could you take someone from this pool of players and just see how they do? Right. And I, but I, of course, I don't know exactly the way uh, signing in a signing a contract out of the draft works, right? If I, I, I don't know much about that. I think you do mention that in college it's, you just get your season and then for the next seven months, you're not really playing. Your coach is not allowed to see you because of all the all the rules that the NCAA awful. has. Awful.
1: Um,
0: and yeah, I mean that they, they do lose a lot of time, so I can understand that MLS clubs might just not feel these kids are as ready as kids who have been going through the system in the academy for for a while. Um, there is also though the development of MLS MLS Next and then now MLS Two, so. Mm-hmm. That provides a whole other springboard. Have Have you been in touch with people from that organization at all?
1: I, I kind of try to track what's going on with that. I think that they're going in the right direction. Like this is all a work in progress. American American soccer is a work in progress, and you know I don't think we can get too panicky or or too excited or you know too or too down either either when It's two sides of the same coin, but. It's evolving, and it's not there yet. I mean, I think the simple the simple fact is it's not there yet. And I said in my last uh, 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 podcast, I think that probably if you look at the U sevens and eights today, and you track them to where they're U nineteen, and, and and marry that, match that with the evolution, the, the trajectory of evolution that's going on with young player development in the United States. Which continues to improve. I think by that time, you'll be looking at the potential for the United States having a very formidable development system in place. We're getting better at it. We're learning better, better coaches are coming in, and our development of coaches is getting better. And uh, the competitive environment is getting better. But we had so many oh, my God, there's just so many landmines that these kids are stepping on. And by the time they realize it's too late you know, when they realize that their competitive matches, and for the clubs, my God, they have to get on an airplane to play an away game. And what kind of what, what kind of environment is that, you know, the costs are astronomical. And it's very, very difficult to develop a player when you have, uh, you know, a competitive environment is so sporadic and so spread out that, uh, uh, but we're getting better. I think that, you know, the I think the MLS too is a is a, is a good step in the right direction, MLS next, if if they uh, establish really high standards so that they could just say, oh, let's give him MLS next, designate this club, get MLS, they're not doing anything to earn it. And that's where it's gonna get problem because I get a lot of applications from, you know, oh, I'm, I'm with MLS next, I'm with MLS next. You know, then you look at video and you say, what, what, what's going on? You know, what's going on? I mean, that's there's. is this what we're talking about, creating the stars of tomorrow? Is this what's going to make America world? It's not there yet, it's just not. But again, I think there's, but I say that, and I, I, that may sound a little bit negative, I tend to be an optimist, but there are also people doing really good work. And there's some clubs that are doing really good work. And there's some people that, that are that have enough humility to say, what can we do better? Rather than saying, we give them, I got one club and I won't name them, but we give them everything they need to become the topest best players they could possibly be. And I want to say bullshit. You know, it's not true. It's just not true. How many players have become pros out of that organization that they've had going for, that's been well-funded for eight or nine years, maybe one, maybe one. Tell me why that's your barrier of success. What's your threshold for success? You know, I, there was one. Uh, we had a conversation earlier on, but I know one uh, one MLS president who was saying to me that I'm spending two million dollars a year on academy and young player development. We're not getting any players. All, all I'm doing is spending two million a year to develop players for the colleges. Why? Why? Why am I bothering with that? And that's a really good question. You know, is it a PR exercise? Well, you can buy a lot of PR for two million dollars, but if you're not taking it seriously, if you're not really thinking this is the laboratory. This is R&D. You know, this is, you know, if you think about Apple, for example, you know, and they come out with iPhone 13, do you think they're sitting around saying, Oh, let's, let's see how 13 sells then we'll worry about 14 iPhone 14 or something like that. They're already working on iPhone 18 and, you know, and professional (laughs) soccer clubs, really good ones are thinking 10 years down the line, but that's what youth development is at a professional level. We're thinking about what can we do to create our assets of the future. And if they're not looking at it that way, they're just wasting their time and they're wasting the p- time of the kids too.
0: And would you say that you, what challenge project is doing is sort of being noticed by some of these academies, some of these clubs as like, well, we're basically just getting players ready for college and these guys are actually getting them ready for the pros maybe we need to talk to them about what they're doing beyond just being able to play against German teams every, you know, twice a week, but it's more than that. I mean, that obviously, like you said, there's, they do individual trainings, they do team trainings. These kids are not kids who've been playing together since they were seven or whatever. They've all just come to the same place in Germany and you're getting really good results with them in just a year Sometimes, maybe two. I mean, I would imagine some people are going taking notice of this and going, well, what are you guys doing because we need to be able to do something similar here. Have, have any academies said something like that with, to you?
1: I get I do get calls from club, some academy directors and people that want to pick our brains and they want to know what's going on. and, and, and some is for selfish reason, and that's perfectly okay. And some are thinking that is this a place that we really want to recommend our best players or are we going to be wasting their time or are they charlatans or, you know, just, you know, taking anybody that can go in. So, uh, but the, the fact is that there there are some clubs and there are some club directors that were very, very negative at first and obstructive as hell. It's just about as obstructive they could possibly be and arrogant uh, and who have come around and, and said that, you know they're get, some of the players have gone and they come back and they say you know, you know that you have to listen to what these guys are saying And when they see the players that are that are they're, they're getting trials or even if they don't get trials they're coming back and saying this is the real thing it was a real experience I learned a lot and then they see as they integrate back into their teams, it's a different player. You know, they're not the same kid that left and so they have to sit up and take notice and again if there's always going to be a certain level of arrogance, of guys that, that that just don't want their their methods or systems or standards challenged but there's a lot of good guys that are always looking for new information that they say what can we do that's better what can we do to provide a better experience for our players and create better players
0: yeah it's i mean the ecosystem of youth soccer in america is it's it's an amazing thing it's it's so complex because i think every single theory under the sun has been floated for what needs to change in order to get, you know, more results and get higher level players. And yeah, it includes, it includes everything, you know, like it includes people being very arrogant about their own methodologies and, and that what they do is the right thing. And I've noticed something growing enormously here in the U S which is instead of like you said earlier, getting the kids, and bringing them and putting them in this environment, more in the shop window, closer to uh, all these bigger clubs. We now have more and more European clubs sort of setting up shop here. Uh, Borussia Dortmund just started a branch down in Colorado Springs. Yeah, okay. um, and I only know this because I was just sort of looking through standings uh, of different leagues some of my friends who are coaches, I wanted to see how their teams were doing. And I just noticed BVB Colorado Springs. I was like, what is that? And looked it up. And sure enough, they've started this thing here uh, at the, in Kansas city, they have a via real Academy. Barcelona's got a few different setups. I know they've got some in Phoenix and I don't know. I don't really have the most um, positive view of these because to me, it, it, it's the idea of a methodology that a club has in Europe that they're going to package it, bring it here. The kids are going to wear the uniforms and it's going to be this big life changing thing. And I'm not really sure if they're getting anything really all that different aside from a coach with an accent or someone who's just that little bit more precise about something. But growing the game in America, like I said, is extremely complex. So what do you think of this influx of all these clubs doing this and
1: well, you see you Liverpool here and Bayern Munich you know they they, they ran into a wall but you got uh, uh, Milan and you have uh, Juve you got Madrid Atletico and Real Madrid and, and they're, they're popping up West Ham's coming in you got all these clubs and you, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad idea I but I don't know what the real intention is and, and, a, and an example that illustrates that was that you had an organization that was bringing Bayern Munich into the United States, and they were doing a really good job colonizing the brand in different cities, and they're saying, okay, well, you know, we're blah, 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 Bayern Munich. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting in the office of the technical director of Bayern Munich in Munich at the uh, uh, Zebener uh, training center, their home, and he doesn't know anything about it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he says, what? He said, yeah. I said, this is supposed to be, they're saying, well, we're bringing uh, Bayern Munich methodology and we're looking for the next stars. And the, the head of football has no idea what it is. So this is something that originated out of the marketing department. And they're saying, OK, well, U.S. is the largest consumer market in the world. And, and I think there's some that are motivated by the, let's Let's expand our brand. OK, there's nothing wrong with that. But let's be honest you know when when you're moving a club into and you know we we saw this with iax by the way when we we see these clubs move in and they expect that if you you know you hang their shingle on the wall everyone's going to flock in and leave their clubs and go in there so they're basically going trading apples for apples sure you get maybe you get somebody that comes in and says i'm going to bring some new methodology but most of the time they're just hiring local coaches anyway
0: oh i yeah for sure i mean I, i've noticed that I've, I've noticed that you know people they're like, oh, no, I got a job at Celtic. You're like, oh, okay. You know, in, in Maryland or Virginia, I think they, they have a Celtic there. They, and look, like like you said, there's the major clubs have come in all over the place. But, yeah, what you said, I think that – well, I guess the, to me the part that is really confusing is, like you said, what is the end goal? What are they really trying to do beyond sort of – beyond it being a marketing department decision because if the technical directors don't even know where they have branches in the U.S. then yeah that's pretty clearly not a footballing technical issue it is definitely more of a marketing issue and the sad thing is for players in the U.S. who you know they maybe get accepted into the Phoenix Barca Academy they may not realize that unless they are you know, the American Leo Messi, there's no one coming to to take a look at them. There's not really a pathway set up. And so in a way, it feels like it's just sort of taking advantage of a name and a marketing program to try and get kids to, yeah, basically, I guess, pay fees and and be a part of a club. And, um, And the development at a truly high level is kind of absent or secondary.
1: Yeah, and I, I think Barca is one club that, that really had a sincere effort to try to see if they could find some talent in the country. Uh, and they, they did bring over some good coaches and they, they established some good programs that were probably underfunded, uh, but they did they did establish opportunities for kids to go, for a few special ones to go in and to train at La Masia and go in. But you know, the standards are unbelievably high. And uh, so... You know, and there's a lot that just imploded because they, you know, there are some of their outputs, they didn't have the management or the operation or facilities in place. And, you know, the the name is not enough to sustain it on its own. So, uh, you know, I think there's a there's a certain level of exploiting the brand versus taking a sincere shot at finding people that could become an asset to the club. So, but most of the time, yeah it could be listen, if, it, if it's promoting the game, getting more kids out and they say, look, I get to wear a Dortmund shirt or a Milan shirt or something like,, that, I could be, God bless them, you know, it, it, it's enjoying it, but let's 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 uh, deal with it for what it is. And it's fun. It's fun and it's uh, it's nice that America's connecting more to Europe and all that, and maybe the kids get to learn something about the shirt, the club that they're wearing. but you know, if, if the objective is serious uh, talent discovery and serious talent development, then you have to ask the you have to ask the right
0: questions. Yeah, it sounds like, and I, I agree with you. It sounds like it's more it's not so much providing negativity to the landscape; it's just maybe not providing the positive outcomes that people would hope for from it. Because I, I think the Dortmund team that I first noticed they were in some league, you know way down halfway in the wilderness of of just competitive youth 14 soccer and I was like uh it's not an elite team that they have uh and so they're building something obviously they're trying to get somewhere but yeah you kind of feel like well that's what do we call that right if
1: yeah, what good player wants to play on the on a, on the third level uh, team? You know, when they're they know that they they should be they could be playing at the first level, so they're not going to go down. So they can hey, look at the nice shirt I got. It's not going it doesn't work that way. And uh, you know, I, I mean, I think if they were really serious, they would maybe they could affect some kind of merger with top talent developing clubs. You know, if you look at clubs like, you know, Crossfire or the Irvine Strikers or Delco or something like that, maybe if they're really serious, they'll say, well, let's look at what they're doing. How many pros have you developed? How many national team players? Would you guys like to enter into a cooperation agreement? That might make sense. But like I said, when you come in and say, okay, well, we're going to establish Liverpool over here or or Dortmund over here or whatever, you're either going to go into an area and say, well, who are you going to play against? And it's, and it's it's not enough to have a just to have the brand because the players are always going to stay with it where the best competition is
0: yeah I mean that that's definitely true that everyone will ask immediately what level are you playing at and if it's not you know the whatever name that is depending on the state if for us premier one is the top level so if it's not that then why would you sort of move on somewhere else that when you're already at that level and it, it's that's one of the issues that we do have as well is people jumping from club to club, team to team, sort of searching for that. I think uh, some people call them the tryout tourists. They, uh,
1: <laughs> they
0: go to like four or five tryouts in the space of two weeks and uh, trial with this club and that club and just kind of wait to see what the best offers that they get. And yeah, you see that a lot and they're, they're, whatever, for whatever reason, people they're jumping clubs every year and,
1: yeah. It's uh, there. They stand out. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, they do. And I mean, I've, I've seen a few uh, players at my club. There's two or three that I re- I know for a fact have played in the time I've been there for four clubs and they've been with us uh, at least twice, sometimes come back a third time. And, and you just sort of wonder like what are the conversations going on in the car at home, all this about, well, this is the decision we're going to make for your future today and uh yeah, it's the, there's I, I think um, for parents as well, they don't quite understand uh, and by quite, they don't understand at all the levels really that exist in the game. You know, the, a lot of parents think, well, if, if my player's playing in Premier One, that means they're on the track to maybe be like Division one player because they're at the highest level in Colorado. Well, it actually doesn't right. really mean much of anything. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't mean much of anything. And w- yeah, we have a lot of good players that come out of this state, but it's not because you're at this one level that it makes the difference. And it, it really is about kids with character, um, which that's what you guys are really focusing on developing, which I think is, is so crucial. I, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird ecosystem in that way that it, for the most part the people trying to direct their kids don't have the information and therefore give the wrong advice
1: and you're right and if you're you know if you're thinking on a micro level and don't see the macro picture then you're going to miss an awful lot and you could be totally totally misled by and we talked about this before, how oh, well, we won this tournament, we did this well, and he, he got a recognition for that or MVP over here and stuff like that. And th- these are potentially, I mean, it's not saying they, they're not necessarily good, but you can have a totally, totally different picture of, of where that player is or where their potential is, because you can be really enormously successful in youth soccer doing all the wrong things. And you don't get exposed to that until you get to a level where they're doing all the right things. And all of a sudden, holy smokes. And we had a kid that that came over to to Dortmund initially, and he came out of the U.S. national system. And he was far and away the best athlete, maybe the best athlete in the country. Uh, And... I, you know, people were pretty, at least certainly on this side of the Atlantic, were pretty sure that he would make it on athleticism alone. The problem was that uh, this particular player, he didn't know when to run or where to run. And he was always running at the wrong time or into the wrong space. And he never, never got it. He always relied on athleticism. And uh, eventually they let him go and they went to a second league club. And then they said, oh, phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. It doesn't work. Third league. Got had a little bit of time in the third league, which is also, you know, in, in fairness, it's a, that's also a very high level in, in Germany, but it, yeah. but this is where things get misled, and this is where the young players unfortunately pay the price because we have an entirely different and, and, and inflated opinion of where they are in the continuum of being. If we're if we're saying that. What is the pathway to the highest level? We might have, we might, if this country has no idea where they're at in that, in, in that uh, trajectory. And so that's why it's it's very difficult uh, as they wait and they wait and they wait and they go later and later and later. You can't make up that time. So when they get in there early enough, you can correct the bad habits. You can kind of put them on a different sort of trajectory if they're hungry and they're working really hard. But if you miss it, you know,
0: then it's a crapshoot. Well, that's got to be, I mean, for a player, that's got to be another really big bonus about Talent Project is that you actually finally get to see what the levels are. Because like you said, I mean, there's some kids who probably play for ECNL teams where they've only got two others sort of in their area or region, no academy teams because of whatever state they're in. And so, like you said, they have to take flights and go around the country just to be in showcases where they're going to play some of the some of the better teams in the country but it's not sort of a, a baptism almost by fire at to what kind of level is required if you want to continue in this game and the fact that you said your your guys's 19s are basically playing against pros every week well that is a proper way to understand not just where you are at in the levels of the game but where others are at I think Because for a lot of players, once you see someone that really takes you by surprise or really impresses you, it makes you think about your game and what you think your capabilities are. I think when I was 16, we played in a tournament and uh, my club team (laughs) went to play in Gothenburg. We played against this team from Denmark who I just never played against a kid like their number 10. I'd never seen it before at the youth level. Just someone who was in every way better than everybody else. Clearly understood that he just looked like a young pro just on the field with us. And it was it was pretty shocking to watch from my perspective. I was like, I've never seen anything like this before. So what a great learning experience. I'm sure your boys are going through that every single week, which is great. No, well, we
1: call it a dose of reality <laughs> and uh, they get that dose of reality. And pretty soon, if, we, if you get enough of it and repeated doses of it, they start to become reality themselves. And that's the exciting part when you see the players, oh, you know, at first you might be in awe of these players. But then as they start to get faster and better and they start understanding things a little bit more, they're, they're closing the gap. And then now they're starting to say, hey, they're not so far ahead anymore. You're no longer in awe of these guys. They can compete with them that's, that's exciting. And, but that has to be, can only come from the environment on a consistent day-to-day basis. You can't manufacture it and you can't go to a soccer camp for a week and say, okay, look at you. You've you've totally changed the player. You know, you may motivate them and stuff and maybe teach them some things, of course, but that it takes, it takes work and it takes a lot of work and youth development is serious business. And if you don't approach it as a serious business, never going to get there.
0: That's yeah. I think I'm just thinking about all these kids that play for Academy teams, especially like just the Rapids Academy, right? That's uh, for me right here in my backyard. There's no other MLS team. Like you got to go to Salt Lake city or you got to go to Kansas city to find the closest ones. Uh, And that's just really, really difficult to be able to put them through this on a daily basis, which I imagine for players who figured out what the talent project is who have not been able to go- come or who are seeking to apply i can imagine that this is extremely exciting for them and that that they they covet this opportunity a lot which is great for you guys for expansion as well right i mean at this point the credibility you've built definitely lends to being able to open it up a little bit more
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and the players will talk, you know, I mean, the, the, the ability to communicate with, with uh, multiple audiences via uh, Instagram posts, is, is, it blows me away, to be honest with you, I don't know anything about it. But I see what's happening with it. And these guys are all talking and you get, you know, my friend that I, I attended a national camp with or an ODP camp with, you know, he's telling me all about it. How do I get into this? They're all talking. And they're all they all have similar goals and ambitions. How do I get into Europe, you know, and they, they know, you know, they're watching the Premier League on the weekend or the Bundesliga or Syria or, or uh, 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 La Liga. And how do I get there? How do I get there? I really want to have an opportunity to get in there. And there's very, very few opportunities. But the it, it becomes viral very quick. And, uh, and so You know, sometimes you just do a good job and (laughs) let the, let the drums send the message out. They're all beating them. You know, they're, they're, the messages are getting out. So,
0: well, it's a build it and they will come. And I think you just have to do it correctly. Like you said, you had to build the credibility. You can't just show up and say, here's our dream. Here's our plan. It's going to work. And everyone's going to go, oh, yeah, of course, of course, because we've never seen anything like this fail before. (laughs) Something something like it has. So but it's a testament to the work you guys are doing. And as we talked about before, the varied work you're doing, you know, kids are I mean, it's so cool. The idea that kids are leaving at 16, coming a year home, coming home a year later and they can speak German. Like just just that alone as an added tool for those kids in their lives in a country where look, I, I, my mother's from France, I grew up bilingual. I mean, I was like a unicorn growing up. I mean, there was, <laughs> you know, there was the idea that you could speak more than just English. And, and these kids, you know, they're coming back with German. And I mean, that's what a great confidence boost as an individual to have all these new things that you were able to experience and learn. It's, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a really good, really good platform. Do you, do parents uh, of kids that you recruit sort of are are they mostly really excited about what opportunity or a lot of them are there some that are more skeptical or just don't understand what what what's that been like the the conversation well, with that, the parents?
1: That I mean, in the recruitment process, there's a certain amount of these discussions where prove it you know they want to say okay you know but the the normal reception is this is a phenomenal opportunity i want my son to have it okay now uh it, recruitment for any any organization is always a certain amount of i guess you could call it salesmanship for lack of a better term but there's a certain amount of explaining the benefits of what we're trying to do and they they may take a, a cynical view if I don't know that I'm ready for my son to leave yet. You know, we was thinking he'd be here through four years of high school and then he'll go off to college and stuff like that. So there's a bit, that's just, that's a kind of an emotional pushback that is inevitable in some cases, but in others are there's others to say, what better gift can I give my son who's obsessed with soccer, who's obsessed with being the best he could possibly be and he gets this opportunity. How am I going to say no? you know how do i say no you could stay here and play pl- a couple more years i mean okay whatever but you know it's it, i think generally the, the parent acceptance is good now the parent feedback at the end of this is outstanding because i have so many thank you letters and and phone calls and emails and whatever it is that say this really made a difference for my son and he's come back as a world citizen and he's confident and he's playing much better and i mean he's playing at a really really high level but he acts different. He conducts himself different. His conversations around the dinner table are different. They're much more. Um, he's much more inclusive and um, and expressive. And that's also part of that's part of maturing and growing and learning about um, li- growing in a, in a team and group environment in another country in another culture, sometimes in another language, and the growth opportunity is lifelong.
0: I mean as feedback goes, because I asked sort of, you know, what do the players say? What do other coaches say? As feedback goes, parents saying that, that's that's probably the highest praise that Talent Project can really, in a way, can really have. Because yes, you want to produce kids that are going to go and become professional. That's, that's I- an ideal. But they also need to be armed with these lessons, this growth, this maturity in order to get there. And so if they are getting that, and you're hearing from multiple parents that this is the experience that they are having, seeing a change. I mean, that 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 is high praise for, for your organization and, and what you guys are doing. And it, it says that you're doing good work on the daily uh, because... We to- do our
1: best. We do our best. And it, it really, if you think about what the grand objective is with... Um, with these guys, and we were, we, first of all, we never tell anybody we're going to make them a pro. We never, we'd never do that because we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with them. Anything could happen. It could be good. It could be, you know, maybe they can fall short. I don't know. But, but And you can't go to any major club and say, I don't think you could go to Liverpool or Bayern Munich or Dortmund or, or Ajax or whatever and say, come to us and you're going to be a top level player. They want top level players. They say, we'll give you the best education, but you can't promise that. But and we're also very realistic about the, 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 it's hard to be a pro, it's hard to make it as a pro, and the majority of players that, that make it all the way through to where they have a chance still don't make it. And so um, we want to make sure that we're dealing with good people, that we're, we're sending good people back into the world. And that's super, super important for us. And um, so really, and, and it gets down to the fact that we're dealing with people. We're dealing with young people. And that gives us an enormous responsibility to think way beyond the field. And how are we going to affect their, their development? Yes, we're going to give them the best possible soccer education. We're going to try to open up doors. But we're dealing with young people. And the chances are, it, 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 the, the reality is that at some point, they're going to be done with the game whether it's 18 or 19 or 35 or 36, they're going to be done with the game. And so are, are we helping them? Are we giving them something that they could stand on to make that life um, productive as people, as citizens, as, you know, whatever, as, uh, but just good human beings. And uh, along the way, I, we're hopeful that, the, the experiences that they've got living abroad and getting out of the comfort zone and, and learning new things and learning how different people think and, and helping to solve their own problems will stand them in good stead for their life.
0: Well, and hopefully the uh, they take the learning experience that they got and bring it into coaching as they, if they stop the game because an experience like that, that's advice. Once again, it's another ripple that the talent project can have is what they bring back and give back to the game from that experience. Last time we talked, I mentioned that I went to Tawichi when I was 16 in -hmm. Bolivia and just how in a lot of ways life changing that was for me Uh, and just inspiring. Right. And, and how much you can learn from those kinds of things and how it does carry over 20 years later, 30 years later, you start, you think back on those things and, you know, that they had an impact. So I think it's great that they're, they are going to definitely experience being able to use, use these kinds of things. Cause you, that's what you're giving them is tools for life, which is probably the most important part of coaching. <laughs>
1: it's, it's it's young, young person development. And we, that, so that's, you know, again, it's a lot of people talk the talk to talk and they say, okay, well, we're really here to develop the, the, the person first, but, Okay, show me what you're doing. You got to have to, you, you really need to put these, these, these words into action and, and, uh, and mean them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing last time you and I talked, we also, you, you told me the 07, 08 age group is one that you think is going to sort of break a little bit of ground. They are, I coach an 07 team and an 08 team as well. And they are right at that age where talent project is sort of yeah i mean you guys are not your youngest teams are u 15s right our
1: youngest we had actually was an experimental group but we did bring a cohort a small cohort of 07s sevens in and normally it was that the u16 level is where our entry level is but we had such a a fertile opportunity for younger guys that we said let's bring some o7s in and see how they react to the environment there. I think I think one of them said. I, I heard him over. I overheard him talking to his to his, uh, to his uh, mother and father, and he said, "Mom, I'm living my best life. I'm really <laughs> happy there." And the truth is, is the, they're lighting it up over there. They're doing really well. They've had we've got two O sevens that have already been into three big professional clubs for trials. And so, yeah, that that generation, I think, that's the first. That's the first one that's going to really start to penetrate that, you know, that uh, that glass ceiling for American players at a at a really significant level. The 08s, then they're going to start falling, but they get better and success follows success. Yeah. guys get better and they see their their other guys. You know, you might have nines or tens right now that are kind of looking at their older brothers or their the older teams. And they're "Ah, they're they're starting to emulate that. That's 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 the effect that kind of. That trickle-down effect of talent development is is uh, very much a part of the environment that they need to be in.
0: And are you looking at trying to bring some 08s in this next uh, recruiting phase?
1: We have 108. We have 108 because we felt that he was mature enough to to do it. And you know he struggled a little bit at first, but he's doing remarkably well. He's a Colorado kid, as a matter of fact. Oh, awesome. He's doing doing quite well, a little bit undersized, but he's got the heart of a lion and uh, he's doing really good work over there. So, yeah, we're looking at potentially a few if they're they have to if we, we have to feel like they have the, the, the emotional and mental strength to do that. And they also have to physically keep up. So we can't take, you know, if, if we feel like the kid is too undersized or really hasn't started any growth at all. It might be a little bit of a struggle. It might be better to, to leave them at home for a year and then come in later. Or we start recruiting younger cohorts. And that's another potential solution. But I think that's an evolutionary process we haven't addressed quite yet.
0: Right. That's a little bit more down the line. Right. Because, it. I mean, I, I don't know. Have you sort of envisioned the idea that, you know, talent project would sort of be a 11s through 19s? Uh, with cohorts at each age group, possibly? Or does that feel like maybe going into territory that you don't need to?
1: You know, that's a really good question, Sebastian. I don't know. I I don't have the answer to that question yet because, you know, again, we're getting into the human factor. And do we really want to start that young? Because there's some really good players that are developing well at home. It's just that when they start to get 14, 15, that's when they really have to make that – that jump in. So sometimes it's better to, if they're in a really good environment, they have good coaching, they have a good competitive schedule, you have people that are looking after them in, in a very positive way. Sometimes it's better to leave them at home.
0: Mm, yeah. I mean, I guess it also makes sense, too, because the ages where everyone gets fooled the most on how good a player is going to be is 11, 12, 13, because everyone grows at different rates, everyone matures differently. And so you just can't really tell, and people who say they can, it's a lot of the time they're dreadfully wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, dreadfully, dreadfully, wrong. Unfortunately, that's they could be wrong, and sometimes you have uh, overzealous parents and things like that. that uh, you know, they time goes on, they lose time, and they don't realize they're losing time. And then you, you get to seventeen or eighteen, and you say, "What went wrong?" You know, they were slam dunk. 14, at 14, they were phenomenal. At 15, they were really, really good. At 16, they were highly above average. At 17, they were average. At 18, they say, "I, I, I what happened to me? I'm just I'm no longer a dom when I play. They're out of the game. Hmm. And, and that is that's that happens all too often, particularly in our environment, because we can easily misread the trajectories on these kids.
0: And is there any uh, – has there ever been a tentative idea of uh, – expanding talent project to talented girls as well because German football women's German football is really pretty good and it is yeah and and I know that they've they've been the Federation's done a lot to try and make sure that they're they're funding grassroots and soccer for specifically for girls a lot more than than previously I mean Germany's always had good women's teams and yeah and so I I I I was just curious. I was like, you know, maybe, yes, the United States is essentially probably the one of the best places for girls to play if they want to improve this. It's not like, oh, we have to send them to Europe to get high level, yeah, but maybe it's also just a high level of experience and coaching and environment, because like we said, there's it's no different for the boys than it is for the girls that some of them play for you know, MLS next or DA or ECNL or whatever we want to call it. And then you as a coach of a high level Academy would look at it and go, what, what is it we're doing here? Like who, who what level is this that they play at? So I don't know. Has well, there ever been a consideration for that? It is
1: actually, we had, we, we we've wrestled with talent project fem and the, the concept behind that. And there has been some demand for it. And at the moment, we don't have the bandwidth for it. Uh, you know, it, you, you mentioned the, the girls, the female side of football in Germany has the same infrastructure as the men. I mean, they have very strict rules, making sure that, you know, if you have a club, then you have to have separate facilities and the coaches go through the same licensing procedures and same qualification, the same requirements, minimum requirements. So they they do get a really good education over there. And it's a really good environment for them. At the moment, we don't, you know, in order to, for us to be able to, to go into that, we would have to get entirely separate facilities. And, and uh, it's just something that it's something that's on our radar, but it's just not within our bandwidth at the moment to, to execute on. So it's down the road. It'll come though.
0: That's cool though. I mean, look, you're in, you're midway through year three just to say that you start up, no one knows who you are. People are very skeptical. And then, you know, you've got Four age groups with the teams, multiple teams at each age group. You're you're definitely growing at a good speed already. So just the just the fact that those are ideas that you think maybe down the road you will have the bandwidth for. That's that's also really great because I think it, it continues to show that you know the value you're bringing. You're getting good feedback that helps you say, well, we can do this. You know, for if we can find the right groups and the right players, we can expand this a little bit more. And I I just I think that's great. I think it's it 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 gives a lot of kids more of, just a little bit more hope that there are things out there that can give them the level of experience, not just you know just not just coaching, but also playing and then learning with the things outside that can get them to a better level. Because there is confusion. I think a lot of kids are like, I don't know. I mean, the the pyramid is. It's not a pyramid. It's just a giant ecosystem. It doesn't. It doesn't seem very directional in the United <laughs> States, you know.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. And uh, you know, there's there, there are a lot of choices for, for kids. But we you know we consider the the talent project to be a living organism. And in order for a living order living organisms to evolve, they need continual input. Uh, they need, um, they need, it needs nurturing, it needs development, and it needs, it needs room to grow. And so, you know, we, we're by, by no means do we consider ourselves a finished product. And so as we talk about how do we expand do we give, to provide more opportunities to bring the female side of the game in, you know, there's so many things out there we want to do and we will do at the appropriate time. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're definitely a, a work in progress and, um, you know, I think we have enough humility to say, sometimes we, we have to do things a little bit better. And sometimes we say we can improve on this by doing this. And, you know, so we're constantly reevaluating our own approach to how we're doing things. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we are getting better. And uh, we are producing results that are probably, probably exceeded what the expectations were when we launched this thing
0: well that's yeah that's great i mean <laughs> just f- from the first time i heard about this i was like well this is really really clever and for anyone who doesn't know that one of the main reasons that you did this was because of regulation 19 by fifa which basically made it so that american kids just couldn't come to Europe and be able to get visas to stay for a year and play or so just shut the door and this is in a sense a loophole and what I'm hoping is that it it actually that you're this has the the kind of impact where more people decide to do this to open up whether it's in other countries um, or and, and being able to find some kind of Uh, ease within laws to be able to help young people go into different countries and and get better learning uh for whatever it is and and to be able to do it for soccer is it's an easy vessel i mean that's it's it's not a difficult one so i just the the idea that this might inspire more of these kinds of projects well it already has to blow up in in different areas what so yeah so it already has so what, what have you heard in well, sense.
1: to say that, I, when we were initially planning this thing,
0: I, I said, you know, if, if we do this successfully, the word will be out. There'll be
1: probably 10 copycats within the first few years. They're going to say, if they are doing it. We can do it. Okay, well, <laughs> give it a shot. But, you know, if you look at the, there are other programs springing up and, and some are doing it okay. Some are just crashing and burning. Um, you know, we've sometimes we have these these conversations about are are they competitor? I don't consider anybody a competitor, not at all. You know, we do we do what we do, and we try to be the best at it, and we are the best at it. And other people want to follow along, if they start. You know, we're we're going to keep evolving, and let them keep chasing us because that's that's our philosophy. That's how we operate, and we know what we're doing, and uh, we know where we want to go, and you know, it's not always perfect, but it's always good. And um, uh, so let them let them know. We've already had an offer to uh, uh, a very serious conversation about doing a second one in Croatia. And of course, Croatia is uh, a very interesting country. It's one of the most successful sports countries in in the world, really, per per capita. And their soccer environment is, is really outstanding. So do we have the bandwidth for it? No, I don't know, maybe. But, you know, certainly it's something that, that we're considering and, you know, they invited some of our players over in December and we had a good look at their infrastructure and the quality of life for the people there, which is very, very good. The quality of the training, the quality of the young players coming through it might be something we pursue.
0: And that'd be really exciting for for you guys to be able to do that, Does, especially in a place. Would it be in Zagreb?
1: Um, it's best I don't say.
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah, I was going to say it's main cap, but because I was just going to mention Zagreb, because it it's known to be sort of one of those hotbeds of of talent in uh, in the world where you just get an outrageous amount of good, and not like you said, not just soccer players, a lot of athletes. Tremendous, tremendous! I, I,
1: Dynamo Zagreb is one of the best talent development clubs in all of Europe. There's no disputing that. I don't think anybody would, would would argue against that. They just they produce players like. You know, they got a population of about 4 million in the entire country, and yet they're, they're, they're te- their tennis players are top level, and their soccer is obviously very top level, and they've got great basketball teams. And, you know, just about everything they do on a sports level is done very seriously. And maybe, and, and, and maybe you know, sometimes you can have too many. And so you know sometimes when you're in a small country with a common language and a common culture, and you have the the backing, you know the, the the necessary at least basic financial resources to do it, and everyone's thinking along the same lines, and you're feeding your best players, you know sometimes that's a there are advantages to having an environment like that versus three thousand miles from coast to coast and two and a half thousand from top to bottom and twenty two million players in between, you know that. Sometimes creates its own problems. So,
0: well, that uh, again, I I think it's it's just a testament to what you guys are doing that that would be that country would be one of the next locations if if you're able to to do it and and it's it's awesome. I'm I I I wish that I had some players that I'd feel confident enough to send your way, but I I I I don't I don't think I'm quite there yet. So, (laughs) but it's it's so cool because this is it's just one extra thing that kids in a country like the united states where things are very very insular, you know, people don't really leave much that they're getting this experience and bringing home everything that came with it. It's it, you're doing a testament for american soccer. You're doing something really good for american soccer even though it's happening abroad, which is yeah, just a a good noble cause in my opinion.
1: Well, I think uh, I, I like to think we're doing it for the right reasons, and um, there are, um, there are certain moral obligations that come with developing young players, and and, um, and we we have principles, and we we do our best for the kids and for the players, and try to create something that's lasting. And you know,
0: we're we're trying to build for long term success, also. Well, then, Mark, tell uh, go over real quick what people can do to really find talent project beyond just going to the website, obviously also on social media, but do you guys come through different States? Where do you have, uh, where do you have scouts? Is there, what, what can, can you tell people that makes them go, Oh, okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize this was just something that's way over in Germany, right? Something a little more close to home and tangible.
1: Well, we just had a real successful uh, talent ID uh, sessions in, uh, in Long Island. We had players from all over the New York area come in and we made some really good discoveries. There are players that we'll be making an offer to. Uh, we've been in Raleigh now or North Carolina three times. And that's a really area that's very receptive to us even though some of the clubs there are, were somewhat obstructive, but the, you know, the players kind of make up their own minds, but uh, we've found some really good talent coming from that area as, as well. I'm on my way to Sacramento on, uh, at the end of this week, and we'll be doing a talent session there. Then I'll be in Southern California following that, working with uh, my friend at the uh, Strikers. And um, so you know, we've had inquiries from Arizona, uh, from uh, the Northwest, the Seattle area, uh, from Chicago, and so we're trying to get around, and you know, um, United States is a continent. It's not a country. Yeah, and there's so much space, and you, you don't know. And you know, there was a time when you know you could probably restrict your recruitment to four or five cities that had really advanced level league developments and a, and a history and culture and everything surrounding that. And you know, we could talk about the, the New York area, Chicago area, San Francisco area, Southern California, maybe Dallas, St. Louis. But, you know, there are relatively pockets of, of, of soccer intensity. Now you're looking at, at places like Iowa and, and Alabama and uh, Tennessee and so on and so forth. And that's I'm not, I'm not trying to marginalize any of these places. What I'm trying to say is that there's good soccer popping up everywhere. There's talent everywhere. And so for us, it's really important to have uh, relationships all over the country with people that say, maybe I could give one of our, this kid who's probably needs to get out of this area because he's his, his development is stunted. He's too good for this area. Mm-hmm. Wow, that would be a really good tip for us to get a player like that. Then we can do our own due diligence and say, this is a player that we can work with and get him out. So you know, having a relationship either with open-minded clubs, um, open-minded coaches, or just soccer people that, that know enough about a kid that they're seeing on a regular basis and say, this kid needs to get out of here. And uh, then they could contact us and, you know, maybe we could change the, the entire trajectory or where this kid's going to end up. So that would be our best our, our best hope is to develop friends friendships that are mutually beneficial around the country and people will help us to find the players and you know man we we hope that the some of the stars of tomorrow that will be appearing for the national team or stars in, in the world game will be they came to us as the conduit to make that as that launch point into the next level
0: well, that that I would say is is a very good dream to have, um, and that's probably the, a great place to leave it because I, I think I think you did a really good job of just explaining the nuts and bolts of why this really makes a difference for players. And um, like you said, if it can be a conduit to changing their lives as players and as people, mm-hmm. then w- what a what a great reward, right? For for you, for them, and for for everyone involved. It's fun too. That that's that's the great part. You've uh, this is one thing that I admire about you. Is you've in the last time we talked, you said you've started at least three clubs and in, in the U.S. Uh, you know, and you've done this a lot, and you've experienced pushback in different ways, and so now you've got this project going, and it's it's succeeding really really well in the first three years but you also see a genuine future within it by having built these relationships and, and by having done what you've already done and put, put the equity in the bank that you already have. So that's, it's, it's, it's gotta be exciting for you personally as well.
1: It's gotta be fun.
0: Well, I'm glad. Oh, well, Mark, thank you so much for, for doing this again. I mean, and, and we, we have, you know, we'll, we'll do it again. Cause I, I, I love hearing about the, the progress, and I follow you guys on Instagram, so I'm always seeing what scores. You know, some some they win, some they lose. Some are wild score lines. I think I saw a seven three, um, which is was, it's like a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and I I, I think um, just seeing the the faces on these kids and in these Instagram posts, you're like, man, what a great experience this is. If you're 15, just there in Germany for a year. Training at a high level, great facilities, and uh having the experience of a lifetime, really, especially at that age. They're the kings of Europe. <laughs> I mean, they must really feel like and when they get home, they must feel like the kings of their home environment too, because wow, you know, what what you got to do for a year versus what everyone else did over the course of the last year. I think what a great thing for the kids. So, Mark, thank you very much. And if there's anything you want to say or uh, in part,
1: you know, I appreciate what you're doing and you're, you're, you're helping the game too. And I, I, I love what you're doing and you have great, you know, I listen to your podcasts and you have a lot of really interesting guests and I, I like what you're doing. It's, it's great work.
0: Well, thank you. And like I said, that like I've told some people is the whole point of this is to build that, keep trying to build a community where people like-minded people can bounce ideas off each other and just help the game in any way. So that's why I'm doing this. And You're doing something different in a in a similar and impactful way, so I'm I'm really really glad we got to chat again.
1: Me too. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Sebastian. Well,
0: yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy your trips. Uh, Enjoy California, and hopefully, you find find some more whispering talent. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Take it easy.